Hi, and welcome to Insight into Ocular Melanoma. Today we have Stephanie joining us, who's going to talk about her son's journey with ocular melanoma. Welcome, Stephanie. Hey, good morning, Melody. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that you joined us. Please tell us about Presley prior to his ocular melanoma diagnosis. Uh, see, this is the question that I could probably go on and on for about five hours. Um, so Presley is just a good kid, just has been a good kid since the day he was born. A straight A student, worked super, super hard in school. We always teased, we weren't sure where he got that. Um, a great athlete, a good friend, a great brother. Life was really, really good. <laughs> um, he's got two brothers, so we have three boys and um, no history of any type of illness. You know, like as a mom, you, my middle son had all sorts of, when he was little, breathing issues and the, the um, little uh, nebulizers we had to use all the time. And my youngest son had things. And Presley just really, throughout his entire life, was healthy. Knock on, you know what I mean? Like just a yeah. super kid. <laughs> How old was Presley when he was diagnosed? He was 13 years old. We had just celebrated um, his 13th birthday was on November 16th. And we, we live in South Carolina now, but we're originally from a suburb of Chicago. So we go home every year for Thanksgiving. So we decided since was, he was becoming a teenager that we would extend our visit by six extra days and go home and do his surprise birthday party there so our entire family could take part. And it was actually there that I noticed that something was wrong. So he had had, we, put, we had his 13 year old physical, they have to have a physical checkup for school two weeks before his actual 13th birthday. So he had just been to our pediatrician. He had just been clean bill of health. They do an ear and eye exam. It's very, very, very basic. It's actually kind of done in the exam room, just basic skills. And again, as his mom, I would have never known what was lurking behind and what we found out literally just three weeks later. So we went to Illinois, we were in Illinois. And um, I said to my husband, I said, do you see his eye? It looks like it's twitching to me. That was the first thing. He had no symptoms, hadn't complained of anything. We had already gotten a progress report at school, straight A's. There was nothing that would have ever, he was playing baseball, indicated Number one, because by the time we found out, he was almost all the way blind, which I think is different from patient. Um, so I was like, it's, it looks like his eyes twitching. And my husband's like, I don't see it. So then I asked my sisters, I saw it a few days later. I said, does it seem like his eye is straying and twitching? And they were like, no, we don't really see it. I was like, his eye is straying. Something's weird. So I called my pediatrician from Chicago while we were out of town and thank God, thank God that he did not think that I was crazy, that he took me seriously. And he said, listen, he said, I went to school with a guy who is the best doctor at Jervii. He said, it's so hard to get in there. He said, I'm going to call over there and we'll get you an appointment. So my pediatrician's office actually called me back two hours later and said, we got an appointment the day we got back. So we literally drove in through the night from Chicago here on a regularly scheduled time. So on the 29th of November, by the 30th, we were in the doctor's office. We had an appointment that day at three. Wow. And so what, what did they do when you went in? It was, the whole thing was so, that is probably as a mother, the, there's been a lot of tough days. That day was tough. I was in there. I had all three of my boys with me. And again, in my head, even though I saw that his eye did that, I thought he probably has a lazy eye. He reads so much. He probably has, because who would ever think it was something more than that? It never even crossed my mind for a second when I saw that as I was doing something funny, that it would be something serious. So when we got in, my boys had never, ever, and I have a 13, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old at this time. They had never been to an eye doctor. They'd never had their eyes dilated. So we get into the office. The office is gorgeous. It's the most beautiful doctor's office I've literally ever seen. So we get in there, and of course, we have been gone on, vac on vacation out of town for 10 days. So I'm on my phone. I'm answering my work emails. I had to leave work early to go to this appointment. And I have my two other boys with me. They're kind of messing in the background. So Presley's in the chair. And um, a woman named Amber, who we're very close with, she was the, um, ass the assistant that was in there. She started doing the basic eye exam with him. And 
I wasn't paying attention right at first. And then I realized when she was asking him to read the letters and they were very close, he was getting everything wrong. And I was like, what in the world is going on here? So she could not have been sweeter because clearly she knew right away that something was up. Yeah. So gave him, at that point, she was just asking him to cover his eye with his own hand. So she went over and she grabbed the black thing that actually blocks each of the eyes. So she starts asking him, so you know, he originally started with his left eye and awesome. So I'm like, okay. So I started kind of not paying attention again, thinking, okay, I, I just, he just is nervous or he's acting 13, you know, there's something. Going so we get to his right eye and he cannot see anything. And when I say I'm talking, she did from the biggest letters that were available to the smallest letters, just trying. Then she physically went and got a gigantic E. And it was literally probably two feet by two feet. And she held it up and she was probably four feet away from him. And he could not tell her what letter it was. So she looked at me and I could tell the second I saw her eyes that she was nervous. And she said, I'm going to go get the doctor right now. So she left and I looked at Presley and I said, Presley, I said, what are you doing? I said, we, we don't have vision insurance. I said, why? I said, why aren't you telling her what you see? He said, I can't see anything. I said, what do you mean you can't see anything? My eye is covered. When that eye's covered, he said, I don't see anything. And so then I just, I just remember sitting back, like leaning back in that chair thinking, oh my gosh, something is, is not good here because he would never lie about that. Like he's too, and I could tell, like he couldn't see. And, and the thing is, he did not realize that till that moment. And that I think was even so scary for him, so scary for us. So I text my husband and I said, there's something wrong here. I said, he literally cannot see out of his right eye. So the doctor came in, um, worked with us for a little while. They ran a series of tests. He brought another doctor in, he brought another doctor in and we just sat there and it just kept getting that, that anxiety of what the heck is going on. So when we left there that night. What they said to us, Presley, um, is bright red hair very, very porcelain skin and freckles. And they said to us that they thought that it could possibly be a birthmark on the back of his eye. They said, this is what that's called. They said, we don't think it's an angionoma, but we think this could be what it is. But um, his retina is slightly detached, which was explaining the strain. So we want you to see the retina specialist tomorrow morning. We want you to check in at the hospital, go first thing. So I was like, who's ever heard of a birthmark? You know what I mean? Like who's heard of a birthmark? And I know one like that first day, not a single person, ocular monoma was not mentioned. Nothing was mentioned. Cancer was never mentioned, tumor, nothing. So, um, we got out to the parking lot. I got the boys loaded in our car and I immediately turned around. Um, a good friend of mine had called and I just bawled in the parking lot because I knew I, I just wasn't buying the birthmark. I knew the fact that he couldn't see because it was never really addressed at that first appointment. Like I said, he can't see. Is he blind? What's, what could cause his blindness? Like he, my son can't see that in itself is a huge loss for somebody. So I just knew that it was um, not good. So we went home and kind of carried on business as usual. As far as with him, he was like, I can't believe I can't see out of my right no. eye. <sighs> that first night I think had, he was almost like shocked. And he had said to me, he said, and I still got straight A's. Like, I think he just oh. was blown away by the fact. And we tested it at home. We actually, like, I'd be like, cover your left eye that first night. Can you see this? Like a picture frame that had a saying on the wall. And he, he literally couldn't see anything. He said he could see a few hints of light. So the next day we went and we met with the retina specialist and, um, he was more tight-lipped than the first doctor. The first doctor was very, was amazing. And I love him. And I just think he didn't know what to say to us, but he did walk us through everything he's doing. The second doctor was a bit more reserved, but um, again, we're at the same, uh, uh, the same doctor's office, different location. The building is immaculate and the facilities, everything is huge. So the screens, when they're doing these scans, which I'd never seen any of this before, the screens are on the wall and they're huge. They're like the size of a flat screen TV. So they hooked Presley up, they got his IV going so they could do several scans. And um, the people, the guy that was initiating the test they were running, super kind. I mean, everyone along the way was amazing. And I looked over, they actually scanned his left eye first. 
So on the TV screen was a picture of his left eye, which would be his healthy eye. And then they scanned his right eye. And um, I instantly, like I thought I was going to pass out and Presley couldn't see. So he's like this, you know, they're scanning and he's got the ID in. And um, it was, I, I, at that point in time, I knew that it was not a birthmark that we were dealing with. Cause of course I had looked up several things on Google the night before. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. And then I had to excuse myself and I went out and they, again, they sat down with us and they gave us all of the scans and they said that they were referring us the very next day to the um, ocular oncologist. So the second we heard oncologist, we knew that this was very serious. Um, but even still then, you know, I was like, what is ocular melanoma? You know what I mean? There's so little about it. It was actually very hard at the beginning now because I found you guys because of the work that you guys are doing. But at the time, even Google wasn't helping me. Even WebMD, it was very hard to find especially for his age that threw us because everything that we were finding talked about like retinoblastoma, which is the younger children. And then I, I looked up a few things that might have described ocular melanoma, but the ages didn't fit and nothing fit. You know, he's 13 years old. He's this young boy who hasn't had anything. Um, and so then it was on the third day. So three days of doctors that we ended up in Dr. Chris Bergstrom's, which that again, just, by the grace of God, I feel like this entire journey, we were helped along the way. He actually had been at Emory College, which mm -hmm. is in Georgia. And due to a family matter, he brought his practice up here literally about 15 months before this happened. So he was new to, newer to this practice, newer to the area, and very sought after. So we got in, they got us in right away. And I didn't realize at the time what a big deal that was. I was yeah. informed later just how hard it is to get an appointment with Dr. Bergstrom. Um, but we got in right away. And that day was the first day on that Thursday that he said to us, he said, I believe that your son has ocular melanoma. He said, I think we have enough. We've got scans from three different days. We've done every test known to man. He said, I think this is what it is. And he said, but I, um, he said, I, I plaques all the time. He said, this is something I do treat. And he said, but I'm not the guy. He said, I cannot, I'm not willing to treat him because of his age. And he said, you guys need to go to Philadelphia and <laughs> Philadelphia. What? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like we're, we're, just, we're trying to uh, adjust to the fact that he's now just told us and Presley's in the room that Presley has cancer. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that Presley realizes that he just knows that the doctors now told him, told him he has ocular melanoma. And he says, you've got to get to Philadelphia. Um, and he said, and I'm going to call your pediatrician. He said, we'd like to schedule a PET scan. And I'm like a PET scan. I know what a PET scan is. What, what else? It's more than eye cancer. So literally that was Thursday by Friday morning, we were scheduled for his first PET scan and they PET scanned his entire body. And it was during a terrible snowstorm in South Carolina that never happens. Oh no. We got the tech that would have read it for us. We had someone lined up to read it that same day because of his age. They had worked this all out ahead of time. We didn't even beg for that, which we've had to since then, but this time we didn't. The snowstorm prevented him from getting in. So we got the results of the PET scan in our hand. I physically have it. I have the disc and I have the report and no one can read it. So we're, I'm on Facebook, I'm calling everyone we know, who knows a doctor, who can just look at this and just tell me that his entire body isn't filled with cancer. You know what I mean? At this point, it, I was blown away that I had a child that even had eye cancer. And um, we found someone that said that they thought that the report was positive and that outside of the ocular melanoma, that there was no, um, there was no evidence of any other disease in his body. But again, that was from a friend of a friend and we got in the car the next morning on that Saturday. So literally that next Saturday, and we left our other two children for what we thought would be, you know, seven days, eight days. And that ended up being 27 days. We are in Philadelphia and um, we drove to a city that we had never been to, checked in. And, and my husband is, is from South Carolina. He hasn't been to a lot of states. You know, I mean, we literally packed a week's worth of items drove to Philadelphia, got checked in, and we had our first appointment at Will's Eye on that Monday. So how was Will's Eye? I mean, that had to have been kind of a traumatic experience going into Will's. Uh, of course. Like, it, you know, when they told us we had to go to Philadelphia, everything they were saying to us, they could have been speaking to us in Chinese. So mm -hmm. they're saying, 
go to Will's Eye, you're going to go to um, Philadelphia, and you're going to see Jerry and Carol Shields. You're so lucky. And Chris Bergstrom actually, so Dr. Bergstrom, who sees Presley still here, trained underneath Dr. Shields, mm -hmm. Carol Shields. So he's like, you, this is, she is, he actually said to me, he said, she is the Brad Pitt of all, <laughs> that that's what he wants. So you're hearing all this, but I don't, I don't know anything about any of this. So now right. we're, when Presley was actually in the PET scan that day, as we were waiting in the waiting room, we're going through, I'm getting as much research as I can. I'm reading articles from Jerry, from Carol, and we're just so overwhelmed. Like at that point, I probably had slept in two or three days hadn't eat. It was just a disaster. So when we got there, um, we checked in on that Monday morning and the check-in time is very early. And we had been, again, along the way, so many people stepped in. Like once we got on the group on Facebook, people were like, bring snacks, bring a backpack. So we were, I felt like we walked into the hospital prepared for a very long day. We got there at six and the things that stood out to me the most, um, I was hor like horrified. It was the most scared I'd ever been because I was thinking that day we were gonna find out for sure what it was. And I wasn't sure if they would biopsy that day. I didn't know how that process worked. So we were nervous as to what the day would bring. But as we sat in the waiting room, have you been to Will's? I have not been to Will's, no, but I've heard it's, it's, um, it's a well-oiled machine, but it's kind of a traumatic day because it's a very long day and it's, there's tons of people in the waiting room and, and children with all kinds of eye ailments. Yes. And it's, and I don't know if we were prepared for that, but it is like we sat down and literally at 6am, I, I thought, okay, we've got the 6am time spot. Like we're going to get in and they're going to be, we're going to be moving. When we walked in at six, that waiting room was halfway full. And that waiting room, if I had to guess, would easily fit. 80 it's the biggest waiting room I've ever been through all the appointments and by the time 6 30 hits I think that's like the new patient everyone's in between 6 and 6 30 the entire waiting room was slam filled and I mean slam filled with everybody um from little tiny babies to young toddlers to people my age to people significantly older I mean the entire waiting room and I remember at one point we were sitting there silently and I stopped and listened and I was blown away by how many different languages I was hearing spoken in that waiting room because the truth of the matter is people come from far and wide to see the shields because the shields, so Will's eye is the hospital and then shield and shields is its own floor uh, in that hospital. So we're in their own section. And then it kind of hit me like the enormity of this entire thing that we're in a place that people have waited you know, a very long time to get into and how quickly we had, which was amazing. And then it just kind of hit me. So then I had to excuse myself again and go outside. Luckily we always had, you know, I always had someone that was there holding it better than I was. And then they called us back and it is, it's a full day. You go from room to room to room to room. And it is tests and scans and pictures and things I've never even seen. And even now we do a lot of his in between care and South Carolina, and it's nowhere near as advanced, nowhere near what they do when you're there and you're just passed from person to person. And it is, it's a well-oiled machine and every person that you cross paths with is amazing and they're thorough, but they also have 80 other patients to get to. So it's a very overwhelming. I mean, you're passing and someone's coming out, someone's coming in. Um, you're nervous to go to the bathroom because when they call your name, they call your name and they mean it because they've got to keep this. I mean, to keep her to see that. So we, it was probably 4.30 in the afternoon when we were told that we were going to go back to see Dr. Shields. So they took us into a smaller room on a long hallway. And um, it is, it's so crazy because the whole time I just kept thinking about what Dr. Bergstrom said to us. So you can hear all these feet. You can hear all this bustling going on in the hallway, but your door is still closed. So it was probably 30 minutes later, maybe-ish, and the door opened and it was this beautiful girl and she was one of the doctors in training and she peeked in and she said, Dr. Shields is going to be here in a few moments, like no questions, no recording. You know, they kind of went over the basics literally as if Queen Elizabeth was walking through the door. And I was like, so then I was like, well, what do we do? Do we shake her? Like I was nervous now uh -huh. sitting in the chair and he's like, do I get up? I said, I'm not sure. I don't know. So when she comes in, she comes in and she has probably, 
seven or eight people with her and they're all around her. And when she walks in, literally all of these people are calling out results from the day. They're calling out measurements. They're calling out sizes. It was the most amazing and scary thing I've ever seen in my life. Like the brilliance in that room now is just overwhelming to know that you're in the company of people that are going to care for you and, and know the things that they know. Mm -hmm. but like, literally, I was like, oh my gosh, are these numbers good? Are these numbers bad? They're saying this, is that good? And they all had these like flat screen tablets. So after they called out everything for her, she was transcribing at the time. So she's talking into her microphone. After that part stops, they line up. I actually have a picture of it. Um, they line up all these tablets on a desk and it's literally, there's probably eight tablets there with different pictures of Presley's eye, different angles of the tumor, different measurements. And she comes over and she stands silently and she reviewed everything. And then she um, did a physical examination of him. She personally, everyone kind of backs out and she examined him and she looked at us and she told us that she could not conclusively diagnose him with ocular melanoma. And I was like, yes, best news. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. And she said it was just a, a whole lot of fluid in his eye and there was infection outside of the retina, outside of some other things. So she said that she couldn't rule ocular melanoma out, but that she was leaning a little bit towards some sort of infectious disease. So now I'm like, oh my gosh, what could this be? And she actually asked us, she said, <laughs> And I said, yes, at this time, you know, we had two dogs. I said, we have two dogs. And she said, okay, we're going to look into this. And so I'm thinking, oh my gosh, did my dogs give him some, what is happening? So she said, the long and short of this is we have to be sure. So we we're going to need to biopsy him. And I was like, okay. And she was like, are you okay with that? And I don't think at the time I realized just how dangerous these biopsies can be for ocular mouth patients. When I went there, I went there fully assuming, of course, he would be biopsy because that's what you do. You find right. a biopsy. That's of course what you would do. So when she said it to me that way, and she just looked at me and she didn't look at me like a doctor. She looked at me like a mother. Mm -hmm. I was, oh gosh. You know, what now, what more don't I know about what the next step is? So they, that was on the Monday. And what they did is they said, you go, they, everything is run there on a schedule. So Monday is new patient day. Tuesday is follow-up patient day. Wednesday, they have surgical procedures. Thursdays is like putting plaques in biopsy day. So she said, what you need to do, she said, you take him and you have two great days. She said, Philadelphia has so much to offer. She said, you go find it, you go enjoy it. And she said, we'll see you back here Thursday morning for him to be biopsied. So that's what we did. We went and enjoyed the city. He ran the Rocky Steps. Um, we did one of those bus tours. You know, we did exactly what you do. <laughs> right. Good for you though. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, much to the detriment of my other two children who are like, you're not here, mom, and you're running the Rocky Steps without, you know, those sorts yeah. of things. Um, we did those things, and then we checked in on Thursday morning, and he had his first surgery or procedure, and they did the biopsy, and um, they told us they hoped to get results to us by Friday, so um, that's what we were hoping. That didn't work out. There were some delays, so they called us personally, Dr. Shields called us on Monday at three o'clock and told us that unfortunately it was not the infectious disease that they had hoped for and that it was ocular melanoma and that he needed to plaques, get, you know, get in, get this done and, and get the plaques radiation and get his pre-op. So we found that out Monday and by that Thursday, which was December 20th, we were in the hospital getting the plaque. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it was just a really like now when I look back on it, we actually, this last Christmas, so that was in 2018. And so this year for Christmas, we took all three of our boys to Philadelphia because of course, Presley has his follow-ups and we just will run the same timeline for the next five years. So we will spend Christmas in Philadelphia the next five years, give or take a few days. Right, right, right. We went this year um, and we made it a really big deal. We planned it for the, a long time and we took all the kids because we wanted it to be a much better taste for Presley. You know, we wanted him to, um, because we will be spending so much time there, we wanted him to have good memories of there. And we want brothers not to feel so missed out on this whole big thing. You know, they went without their parents and their brother for 27 days and all the craziness. 
So we went back and when we got back in my head, when we planned this, it was really for the kids. And then when I got there, it was so crazy because we'd be walking. We, we walked the entire first time we were there. I mean, that's just kind of what you do, except on days he had surgery and we'd be walking and Presley would be like, oh yeah, I remember when we did this. And it's like my brain that whole time from lack of sleep, from the adrenaline, from anxiety, you know, I forgot a lot of those things. I forgot of, you know, amazing moments that occurred when we were there the first time and just things and being there the second time just where we had more knowledge of what was going on. I think that's a huge part of this whole deal is that fear. And it happened so quickly, you know, it went from one day your life's completely normal and you're living the dream and you've got these amazing, healthy kids. And the next day, everything comes collapsing down, but you can't let it, you know, you still have to, to not only the child who's got this diagnosis and needs you, but to your other children. And, um, so it was good for all of us probably me more than anybody to get back to Philadelphia this last year. Um, we went actually several times, but the Christmas trip was really important because it was the year anniversary and um, we were able to, we made a donation. When we went to Will's. We had a lot of, it was really, really good for us to do that. Um, we really did luck. I, I'm thankful every single day that that was our path because they could have put us anywhere. I know there's several facilities in the United States mm-hmm. that are, you know, good facilities, but I'm so thankful that we ended up there and just little things, you know, Jerry, her husband, um, if I had to guess, he's probably early eighties and he's there every day. He's there every day. He wears his Converse sneakers, which are amazing. And every single day he came over and spoke to Presley. Presley is, I, I have to say, he became kind of a lot of people, especially once he was diagnosed with ocular melanoma and like when we were plaxing, we plaxed at the same time as a lot of people, a lot of women that were much older. Um, so he became somewhat of an abnormality back there. No one was used to seeing like when they took us back there, the room they had set up for him is the room that most little children for the retinoblastoma would be in. So there was a crib. So they had to modify mm-hmm. the, get everything ready for someone his age. So I feel like people, they're kindness and their empathy for him. I mean, still to this day, we are in touch with the people that plaques at the same time, because you know what people don't realize with the plaque situation, they, they put the plaques in, he went through that surgery, they woke him up and then they drive you from Will's eye to a different hotel. So we had changed hotels in between time and you you can't go in the elevator. You can't go anywhere. Presley and I both had matching bracelets. The staff was well aware that we were plaxing. So all of the food had to be brought in and we're all on the same floor. So what you would see when my husband and I, when we would take turns and my sister had come in to help to grab food, you would see, um, you know, one of the women that plaxed her husband, you know, her husband was sitting at the table by himself getting food. And we knew, we knew he was there just like we were, that, that's going to make me feel anything. And we saw him up there. He actually celebrated his birthday up on that floor by himself because his wife couldn't leave the room, but he still had to food and bring her things. Um, so we lucked out. We still are in touch with all of them. And it's just one of these things, you know, I never knew any of this existed. And then you go through it and then you think, oh my gosh, how does the whole world not know that this is what happened? How is this not a name that everybody knows and that, you know, people are fighting for. So it's just, you know, a work in progress, right? So how did Presley handle all of this? I mean, you know, this is a this is really hard for somebody who's older. I can't imagine being 13. I remember I was diagnosed at 45. Um, yeah, no, 48. I was 48 when I was diagnosed. Um, I can't imagine being 13. So this is my, um, I struggled with that for a really long time. And Presley and I are really close. So we talk about a lot of things. And I, I often struggled because I thought... I, I wasn't doing enough because I was struggling with all of this so much. I was like, how is he not struggling more? Like, is he not telling me how he feels? Because he really, the way he handled it with the courage and the grace, it's what, I mean, it's what all of us, it's what I pray for every single day to become. I want to grow up and be Presley Ponce. And um, we are 
very religious and I, my belief of this whole situation, because I just feel like childhood cancer as a whole, I have a friend whose son lost his battle just weeks ago at four years. And I just feel like God's gift in this whole thing is that when kids get it, they're, they aren't trained like we are to be as scared. They're not trained to be as anxious. Like when we, when Presley found out that day and we actually sat down as a family and said, do you understand what this means? You've been diagnosed with cancer. He sat there for a second and he was like, I've got this. And he's like, I'm totally beating cancer. That was the first thing out of his mouth. And I think that he meant it. I think at 13, a 13 year old boy, much less, he felt invincible. You know what I mean? That <clears throat> what I was dealing with as a mother, the reality, you know, like I was like, oh my gosh, what if our time is limited? What if, right. what, what if that, what if they have to remove the, all these questions? He didn't have those, his questions. I think some of those came later, but his belief and his belief still now, it is never, ever wavered where I'll have a day where I'm like, we've got this and we're going to raise awareness and we're going to fundraise and we're going to do this. And the next day I'm like, Oh my gosh, how in the world? And he really, he is steadfast in his faith. And he's just really has that belief that he is, is going to make it through all of this and that there's a reason why this happened to him and that he will, his testimony of this will go on to change something. I mean, he said one of the, it was after he had plaques, I think it was when we were driving home and he said, well, you always got on to me, mom saying I needed to figure out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And he said, well, maybe I'll go on and be a di eye doctor. Maybe I'll go on and I'll be the one in there. And it, it like, it just stopped. And I was like, oh my gosh, cause I feel like you at 13 years old, I look back at 13 year old me and all I cared about was my friend's makeup. I was allowed to wear makeup. <laughs> and, oh, that's all right. That's what my world existed. And I, and I was raised in an amazing family and I had no stresses in the world. I mean, it was an amazing time. And I look, you know, Presley's got all these appointments We're we're constantly on him about making sure he's got his glasses on and his sunglasses and make sure you've got your hat on. And do you have your eye drops? Do you have this? all things I never had to worry about. And he, he handles it better than I know I would have ever handled it as an adult. And I feel like maybe that's where God comes in and kids, they just have that ever optimistic hope and, and, you know, just are very, that's the way they're built. And, um, I, and I hope he stays that way. I hope he doesn't get jaded and I hope he always has this positive attitude and, I think for all of us, when this happened and him as well, I remember when we finally got back, it was like the first week in January, we had, we didn't leave our house because we got home literally on Christmas day. They rushed to release us. We got the plaques out. They let us go. We drove through the night to be here for Christmas morning with the other boys. And so we kind of took a week and we told out all of our family and everybody we needed uh, just us. Mm -hmm. Finally ventured out. We went to Best Buy <laughs> to re return something. And on the wall were all these St. Jude, like they were selling the St. Jude, like, do you want to donate? And I saw him the second we walked in. So when we got up to pay, this young 16 year old boy was like, do you want to donate like a dollar to St. Jude's to kids that are fighting cancer? I lost it. I mean, oh. I, I bawled in that poor boy was probably like, look at this woman. And I said, of course I want to donate to St. Jude's. I said, I son and and this poor boy and I was like and I'm sure Presley was like oh my gosh what is she doing but all of us and Presley as well realize just how much more we needed to do you know what I mean how many times I'd gone to that register and I said nope I'm okay even though knowing darn well I could absolutely spare that dollar that three dollars that how many times I had heard and again we're I'm a religious person prayer. So I always followed through on praying for the people I said I was praying for, but it's so much more than that. Like when all of this happened, the outpouring from our community to us, from anything, from coming to our house, offering to clean, to taking, helping to offer to take care of our animals, to gas gift cards, to, to things, complete strangers. We'd come home and there'd be stuff in my mailbox. And still to this day, I have no idea who left them. We had a lady in Michigan send us they're the greatest shirts it says like my buddy's uh battling ocular melanoma it has the awesome green sunglasses that he wore for like two months after he plaques and it showed up at my house it had a handwritten note in it and she signed her name share 
no last name, no return address, and sent us two of these shirts, one for Presley and one for us to wear that she made. She said that she had just started her t-shirt company and she saw his story on the news. Oh my gosh. It was stories like that all the time. We would get things in the mail. We got things in the mail from a soccer team in New York that wore, they all wrote in red ink, Presley Strong across their jerseys for one of their games because they saw the news story that kind of went all over with him. And it just opened my eyes to just how much good there is out there and how much better we had to do. And the same with it became a very, very big deal. He's always actively, you know, how can we bring awareness to this? What can we help with? And we, unfortunately, in our district that we live in, when Presley was diagnosed, there was another little boy at the school right next to ours who was in sixth grade that was battling leukemia. And then six months after Presley got diagnosed, one of his classmates was also diagnosed with leukemia. So we had three little kids within the intermediate and junior high school. And then just recently, um, a week and a half ago, my youngest son, Memphis, he's in fourth grade, um, a classmate that's in his class, her younger brother, who's in first grade, was diagnosed with leukemia. So we have like six kids in a right now. And I think it's made our district stop and think. I think it's made our kids stop and think. And we, I'm very proud of the fact that he has taken that on and that that did, that shift did happen with us. And it made us just more aware of how important our voices are and how important that we put our money, our time, our efforts where our mouth is. You know what I mean? Instead of it just being like, yes, I do support cancer. You know, of course, everybody would support cancer awareness and all that. Now it's, it's a very serious mission. And I feel like it's all of us. It's every single person on our support page. It's every single person on the, the Akimanum Foundation sites and the Kieran site and all of these. It's become their personal mission to save their own lives, you know, and our personal mission to save Presley's life. And um, it makes a difference because no one else is going to do it for us. That's very true. So how's Presley handling things today with family, school, sports? Has he just kept on going without skipping a beat? Um, he, ha he has to a point. This COVID thing has been a lot different, I know, for everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, last year, during his school year, there was a lot of school missed because he, the way it's set up for him is every three months, so we're coming upon that time now, he has full sets of scans. So he'll have a full day and he'll have the MRI. He does, they do an ultrasound and a chest x-ray just because of how his genetics came back. So that's every three months. Then the same week we'll do the visit with the oncologist to find out the results and do full blood work. And then on the alternating weeks, then he sees Dr. Bergstrom. So we have, so the first year adjusting to our schedule and adjusting to the travel to Philadelphia, it took some getting used to. I feel like this year um, we felt much more equipped and the school was aware and they've been amazing and supportive. So I just kind of give them our schedule because we stay on a very strict schedule of this is when scans are. They might not know the exact day, but a but roundabout. So when he misses school, but yeah, went into eighth grade, um, did amazing, had straight A's. And when COVID happened, um, I became a homeschooler of three kids and working from home. <laughs> And with someone like Presley, you know, our, our local oncology team here had, had brought us in right before things got really bad. And luckily in North and South Carolina, while our numbers are still going up, they're nowhere near, you know, like the New York or the Illinois, but she just stressed the importance of really being vigilant with Presley. And especially because it can, eye, nose, mouth, all of that. So we just really shut it down and we were lucky. My husband and I are both in real estate. So, um, we, as of March 11th, that was the last time we have our groceries delivered. We stayed in, we live on land, which lucked out for us. And we did a lot of expanding on the land. We added some animals to the land, which he's very much enjoyed as have the other boys, but no, he's done really well. And I think again, in a blessing, we have noticed when we first, after he first plaques and got back and his eye, you know, his eye looked awful, which is why he wore the Oakley's. So we had special mm -hmm. Oakley's. And he wore those every day, day in because he was very sensitive to the light. Then when that got better and he kind of graduated out of the sunglasses, you know, we went and had glasses made that have the indestructible glass because we were like, gosh, you know, we can't risk the other eye. He's a boy and they're still wild. Yeah. All that. And it wasn't until I would say maybe last summer we started to notice just how much his eye, the right eye, 
um, strays now. So we went in and we talked with the doctors and they said that, you know, his brain is wise enough, is so smart that his brain knows that his eye doesn't work any longer and that it's blind. And so a lot of times the brain is focusing so much to keep the left eye focused and to keep him getting the straight A's and reading and all the things that he does mm-hmm. that it's the wayside. And we noticed it myself, my husband, the ones closest to us, but he had never said anything about it. Well, then when school started in the fall and he never said to me whether it was something that someone said or if he just noticed it, but then he became aware of it. And he said, you know, my eye looks different. (laughs) And I said, yes, I said it, it does. I said, but I said, if it was me, and again, the difference between he's now a 14 year old and a mom, I was like, if anybody says anything to you, I said, you tell them what you've survived. You tell them that you had three surgeries in a matter of 10 days. You tell them that you, you know what I mean? Like wear a badge of honor. That, that, that is your strength. It's your superpower. Like you've been through and you survived and you handled it so well. And of course he looks at me and rolls his eyes and says, (laughs) well, they see that it's different. You know, he just cares about, he doesn't want someone to make fun of him, which I get. get. So I think for him, he wasn't that sad about the second half of the year being done at home because we've literally schools are obviously they closed in March. So they've been home with me since then and very restricted. And it sounds like they could potentially be closed somewhat in the fall. So I think that might've been good for him just to adjust. And I think that we, we have a close knit family. So having our family around him, build him up and let him know that it's not, you know what I mean? Like if that's the worst, my opinion, and again, he doesn't always disagree with me on good days. He, he agrees with me. If the worst that comes out of this is that your eye looks a little different. I'm, I'm praising Jesus all day long and we're dancing for that because it could have been so much worse. And there's so many other things and he's a beautiful kid and you know, it's just a badge of honor. So how has this whole thing changed or affected how you, how you parent Presley as a mom? I mean, you know, you're a mom and he's, he's got this ocular melanoma, but you know, he's still, I don't know, how do you, how do you, how do you handle that with, you know, yeah, you want to be easy on him. He's got this ocular melanoma, but yeah, you still got to be his mom. And, and then you got two other boys. So how does that all affect how you parent him? Yeah. So I think, um, that's been a work in progress. So I think when we initially came back, I can look back now and I can see, we talked about like my boys that Christmas, right after all of this happened, two of the boys, the older two boys, none of my kids had any electronics. I'm very weird about electronics. So we got them switches and they started wanting to play that Fortnite game and they would come in and be like, Oh, can you, can you get us V bucks? And I look back at my bank statements in January and February of 2009. I think, are you kidding me, Stephanie? Are you kidding me? Because it was literally, I think at that point, it was just a yes to anything that he or the other one said, because I think I was faced with as a parent, you hear it all the time. We're all told how quickly it all goes by. And I was faced with that reality of like looking at these boys that I had that, you know, in my head are still these little tiny boys and now I have these young men that I'm raising. But then when that happened with Presley, it just made me, it just made time very precious. Right. And that lasted for about two months, but luckily I was raised by very strict and very stable and secure parents. And, um, so my normal instincts kind of popped back in there. And so I'd say not tons has changed with regards with that. If I brought Presley in here right now, he would tell you, he believes that I'm the hardest on him and <laughs> I barely the hardest on him. I just feel like he has proven himself to be an amazing young man. And I want him to always use this experience to make him better and to make him a better person and to make as many other people as a better person. I don't want him to use it as a crutch. And I had read a few books after I got back about how I wanted to adjust to this. So that was something that was super important. So sometimes I think he thinks I'm being hard on him. I hope I'm just motivating him to take this just like any other injuries. I had read a book about like athletes, these high performance athletes that suffer these career ending injuries and how easy it is to kind of fall into that depression or, you know, it's that you let it define you. And I was trying to go the other direction. So I hope that I've done that. 
And I think too, the other thing we've always, as a family, always been pretty active and, um, I'm a person, you know, like birthdays are a week long celebration. Like I've always liked doing things big, but I think this with the concept of time, we, we don't wait on anything. Okay. And, and that's another thing that I think has been a big thing for all of them. Um, or kind of like a switch when it came to like Christmas, I said, this is what we're going to do. We, you know, we always had like an amount that, oh, we're going to spend an amount on each kid for these presents. And so this year I said, we're not doing that. I said, we're, you guys will of course get Christmas presents, but we're going to go do some amazing, amazing things. And that's what we did. You know, we had an amazing time when we went to Philadelphia, we surprised them on the second to last day and we took them to New York city so they could experience with us at Christmas time. Um, and so we decided that it was worth it. It was more worth it to us to, instead of buying things that they'll never think about, or they, you know what I mean? That will be someone else's toys in two years from now when we donate them, that we were going to put our effort, our time, our money into amazing memories and amazing moments. And Presley's done that too. I mean, he, when things come up, he'll say, I, I've noticed that shift. Like he was like, well, I think about this and instead of getting this, maybe we should go here for this, you know? So it's where it's moments where we can all be together and, and make that great memory. And that's been a good shift too. I don't think they love it all the time when I'm hard on them about money, but the bill of older. <laughs> exactly. So what is your biggest fear? Um, my biggest, biggest fear is his cancer spreading now my prayer every day when I pray, I used to pray, you know, I used to wonder why it was him and, and look for a change. And I don't pray for that anymore. I pray for time because I feel like after we sat down and talked, we were lucky enough to get the referral to Dr. Sato and he couldn't take Presley on as a patient because his malpractice doesn't cover patients under 18 because a regular doctor and Presley would need a pediatric doctor. And he told us to our faces, he talked with us about the numbers and the odds and how Presley's genetics came back and how they looked compared to some other cases. And we just decided from that day forward that we wanted, we pray for time. I just really hope that we can make it through. We're into year one, that we can get to year five. Um, and I feel like his odds of everything are just so, so much better. So I just hope that that happens. And I feel like having that prayer, it seems like, you know, they always say pray big prayers. And of course I pray that it, he, his cancer never metastasizes and we never are faced with that. But at this point, it feels comfortable to me to say, if we pray, <coughs> for him, I feel like already in the amount of time since Presley was diagnosed to now, I, I read so much. I get stuff from Shield and Shield. I get stuff from all the different foundations. I get so many, so much information and there's so many things they're making headway in so many things that if we just give it a little bit more time, who knows how much better the treatment could be. If we give it a little bit more time, maybe there's really going to be something that's going to offer patients when this metastasizes more hope, you know, and that's, kind of where we're at right now that we're just praying for that that he gets to enjoy you know he'll be a freshman this year so this will be his freshman year and you know high school is an amazing amazing time that he can enjoy this and he can live this out and that we just get time and that if anything changes that we're we're better prepared because that was probably my biggest fear last year and always when scan weeks come see if we had done this meeting next week he gets scanned the first of july and i'm always like a wreck the day you know the two or three days before and i don't mean to be and it's crazy because i don't even as much as i probably try to not focus on it mentally like my body knows it's like my body has shifted into this schedule of knowing and even presley knows like there's just this kind of built up like okay we've got to push through this and then get the call that we're good but I think my biggest fear um, was, and I, and I had to switch it, was what would we do? What would that look like? You know, if that scan came back that his cancer had metastasized, if it had gone to his liver, where would we go with someone pediatric? Because Dr. Sato has already explained to us just how difficult it would be for him to treat us. Would we need to move? Because he said, I'll treat you no matter what I have to do, but it's not going to look the same as other patients. So we, and we always get that. That's always what we're being told. So I was like, God, do we move to Philadelphia? Is that what that's going to look like? Cause we can't just leave the other kids. It's very clear. There's not facilities here. You know, our local oncologists here 
are amazing and they, they will walk us through any part of the journey, but they've even said to us that they're not fully sure if they'd be the ones that would be equipped to treat him if it metastasized. And then you do, you know, do you look at St. Jude? There's so many things and that kind of was an overwhelming, like broken record for a long time. So I just had to switch that. And we just got to the point that said, we have to let that rest and we'll cross that bridge if we ever have to cross that bridge. But right now we just are thankful for all the healthy days and all the great days that we have and thankful for the time that we've already been given and all the amazing moments we've been able to pack into this 18 months and hope we get more and more of those in a lifetime and that this will just be, you know, a blip that made him an amazing person and that changed our lives and made us great advocates for an amazing cause. And that's what we hope. So other than those, do you have any other hopes, big hopes for Presley? Oh, yes. I have, you know, I'm that mom. You know, I, yes. <laughs> I, I really hope, I, I've hoped and prayed since this happened. I mean, I really genuinely feel like, um, and, and it's just his personality too, that he's going to take this and use this and use this for the right reasons, not as a crutch, but he's going to use this testimony. And I can picture him. He's very, very smart, way smarter than I ever. And I did good in school. And there's times I look at him and I'm like, oh my gosh, really, where did it come from? You know, like where did it happen? Um, so he's very, very smart and he's very driven. And that's, that was probably really when I, when I realized that he was blind and his right eye or almost all the way blind, I sat there and I thought, oh my gosh, what what is that going to do to him? Because it's always been like Presley so smart. Presley's so good in school. My other boys are, are smart and do well in school, but they, you know, school is not the end all be all for them. Like most boys, you know, my one boy is really big about baseball and basketball and Presley's done sports, but school is his thing doing well in school and getting that, you know, the positive feedback from me and his teachers, that's his, that's part of his being, you know, and he thrives off of that. And, um, and he's able, he's been able to push it forward and I can picture him in the future doing something with that. I can picture him being the oncologist that we have. We want the one oncologist we have here locally, Dr. Martin, he's a man and um, he's amazing. And every time we go in and see him and he's goofy and he wears great socks and he, you know, Presley loves seeing him. And I, and I picture, I could picture Presley doing that. I could picture him being that doctor that makes the kids laugh, that makes them not really think about what's going on around them. Because when we're in those rooms, Presley is a different, you know, he's not, he doesn't lose his hair and he hasn't had to go through the treatments like a lot of these kids are. But when we're in the facility, you know, you're in these rooms, so you're set up. Well, all of the patients that are getting chemo and they're anywhere from the moms holding babies that are getting chemo that's injected from to two-year-olds to four-year-olds, kids going up and down the hall. He sees all that. He has seen, and, and I had never seen that. I was literally, like was just getting ready to turn 40 when he was diagnosed. So I had not, um, of course, I'd seen pictures in magazines, but I've never experienced something this close. And I feel like now everybody should. Everybody should go in and have to see what these amazing warriors, what you, what Presley, and it doesn't matter from children to adults, what they, what they face and what they go through and what this diagnosis really does mean for them. And I think that that part of it, I think that he'll take that and use that for something amazing. And, um, you know, who knows, maybe he'll be the one that develops the treatment that will help <laughs> to extend and lives. I would love that. That's what I tell him. I said, this, that could be the key. I said, God uses things like this to change people and to mold you exactly how he needs you to be. That would be amazing. Yeah. So what would you like other parents to know about pediatric ocular melanoma? that was when I was looking through the questions I there's so many things I want to say I guess my overall I would say I've really only met um I've met one woman through our group whose daughter is the same age as Presley and one of the things that her and I have talked about often is just I feel like as much as no parent ever, ever deserves or should hear that your child has cancer, I feel like on the other side, there was such a gift involved in that awful message. And it changed me. It made me a more, I think I was always a very involved parent, but now 
made me a present parent. So whereas I've, you know, my husband's coached every one of their baseball teams and I was the scorekeeper. And a lot of times, you know, I always looked up to see when my kid was batting or my kid was playing, but I was very concerned about the scorebook. Now it's made me, I'm very present in everything they're doing and in my whole life. Like it made me stop to think that none of us, we're not, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. You know, I'm not guaranteed this ride that I'm on right now. And I think that um, when something so scary and so unexpected happens, that that part of it for me, trying to focus on the positive part really helped because I can't imagine, I, I can see for sure how easy it would be to let the negative side of that consume you and um, cause anxiety. I can definitely see where it could cause depression. And I just had to be very conscious at the very beginning that now I've got this child that I've got to care for. And it is, even though it's not the same as like my friend whose son has leukemia and they have, you know, chemo every single day and they're going through all these different things. It's a stringent schedule we stay on. And I keep a very thorough journal of everything that's going on. So I have all these dates and times and what I'm seeing and what looks better and what looks worse when the doctors ask that in itself becomes a job on top of my job, on top of raising kids. And I just think if, you look at the positives of that and that's with everything in life. But I think with this specifically, I've watched the mothers around me, the families around me. And, and I really took this lead from them watching how, like, she was like, listen, if we're going to be told if tomorrow we all knew, we all knew when our last day was here, she's like, how differently would we live? And that's amazing. And that's it. If, and we don't get that gift, but if you live that way, if you live and you think, oh my gosh, you know, if I knew tomorrow, if I knew I had 10 days left, what would I do? My list would be a mile long and I would go and do all of that. And I think that the message is that we all know that we're eventually all going to face that fate. So why not do those things? Don't let that list build up um, and to enjoy it. You know what I mean? I think it would be very easy to, to get I think it gets overwhelming, the appointments and the driving and this and that, and to not let that dictate your path. You know what I mean? That you're still only given a limited amount of time and just to enjoy all that time. That's what I would, my wish would be for any other parent that would get this diagnosis and, you know, this, how scary it is when it's such a rare cancer. You know what I mean? I feel like that makes it so much different because there's always in the background that, you know, they're not going to do what they need to do with regards to funding and the studies and the research because it's such a small community. And that's such a sad and it, a sad reality that we need to change. You know what I mean? That you, that me, that all of these people, that Keenan's parents that are working so hard that, that you need to change because every life is just as valuable as the, you know, the other person's life. And we've got to figure this out for sure. That's an awesome message. So what else would you like us to know about Presley? I don't, I feel like I've talked, he's just amazing. I mean, he is, I know he's my kid, so it's easy to say that, but he's also my 14 year old that still sasses sometimes and thinks that I'm not the smartest parent in the world, you know, but he is, I mean, since the day he was born, he just is a super, super good kid. Um, and that's why I really feel like in this situation that there's a reason that this happened and there's, you know, something great, that message that's going to come out of this. And he is, he's very, um, he's just a good soul. He's a good empathetic soul that really does go out there and, and fight for the underdog and want what's best for people and for his family. And that's, um, that's not always the case, especially this age. I wasn't that way. You know what I mean? Like at yeah, 13, I think those ages, I have two sisters. I have an older brother and two sisters. And my sisters and I were all in junior high and high school around the same time. And I just think just how selfish, you know what I mean? Like we, my parents knew nothing. They were awful. They were always trying to tell us what to, you know, you're typical junior high student. And then I look at him and he's very much not that, you know what I mean? Like he's just a very um, a different child than I was and super blessed in that. So he's just, he's a good one. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and Presley's story. We appreciate you. We hope you'll come back again and give us an update on Presley and we'll all be cheering for him. 
So thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you so much. I, we were so honored to be asked. He was so, when I told him, he was so proud that I was going to be on yeah. here and doing that because he knows that we've worked really hard to try to bring awareness to our local community and um, what we could can do nationwide. So we, we really appreciate this option and we would love that. We'd love to keep you guys updated. Yes, and if Presley ever wants to come on, he's welcome as well. Okay, great. Thank All you right, so Thank you so much. All right, you have a great day. You too.